0: You're tuned into Burn After Listening on WBCB, your number one source for all things bizarre. I'm your host, Gabby Mike-Arenda, and I'll be guiding you through the next hour here on WBCB. And yes, I am going to say this at the beginning of every episode, so consider it my formal introduction from this point forward. Happy Monday, listeners. Despite the common belief that Mondays are unanimously awful, I hope yours has been decent, if not good. Tonight I am going to talk about time, I think it's interesting that something as relative and intangible as the concept of time dictates our lives. Has time shaped society? What kind of existence would we lead if we did not stick so harshly to the concept of time as we've created it? Have we attempted to quantify time with hope that keeping track of it would make it scare us a little bit less? I'm going to read several poems related to the concept of time, as well as cover some background information regarding the history of time and how it became the way that we know it today. Weekly challenge for Monday, October 7th. Blast Chumbawamba's tub thumping while looking in the mirror. Don't like what you see? Don't worry. Your face will be perpetually changing until the day you die. For now, enjoy the uplifting tunes. So, if you're anything like me, you have a love hate relationship with a thing that we call time. From day to day and year to year, we shape our lives around how we feel time should be organized. Though our attempts to organize it from the 24-hour day to the 7-day week allow us to keep track of time, past, and feel a sense of organization, deadlines and daily routine can bring a lot of unwanted stress. But have you ever thought about what kind of society we would be without the 24-hour day, the 7-day week, and the 365-day year? How would we change if we just drifted? Would we be healthier? Happier, even? If we simply stop acknowledging it, Does time stop? Is time simply the organization of the future, past and present, or is it the unrelenting force that moves us forward each day? While most things are a matter of perception, and we don't really have the definite answers to each of these questions, it sure is fun to speculate. Now for some history on the advent of organized time. Quite some time ago, ancient Egyptians founded the 24-hour day possibly tired of feeling disoriented while scheduling their daily chores, routines, and responsibilities, parents claiming they fed the kid at some point that wasn't all that long ago, hence, the 24-hour day was born. The reason we have a 24-hour day rather than one that's 20 hours is because the Egyptians like to count in base 12 rather than base 10, which is most commonly used today. We can speculate that this was because the ancient Egyptians counted by the joints on their fingers— Rather than the fingers themselves. However, hours did not have a fixed length until the Greeks came along and decided that they needed a system that could handle theoretical calculations. Hipparchus, a Greek astronomer who made the first accurate model of planetary retrograde motion, proposed dividing the day equally into 24 hours, which came to be known as equinochial, equinochial hours, See, you know, I practiced saying that before, and I still get it wrong. Think of it like equinox. Equinoctial. Say that 10 times fast. And that is because they are based on 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of darkness on the days of the equinoxes. Now, most people continue to use the seasonally changing hours for a long time, and only with the invention of mechanical clocks in the 12th century did the 60-minute hour really become commonplace. Now it is said to be believed that the seven-day week came about through the Babylonians and the Jews as the number seven held a mystical and religious significance. With the Babylonians, the number seven was associated with the Sun, Moon, Mars, Mercury, Jupiter, Venus, and Saturn, whereas in Judaism, the story of creation takes place over seven days. However, the seven-day week went mainstream with its adaption by the Romans. Emperor Constantine officially adopted the seven-day week in A.D. 321. And just as a quick aside, it is completely reasonable to assume that other cultures have also held influence upon or simultaneously developed their own similar versions of time, if you will. So I suggest that if you're really interested, you do some research of your own. If you have the time on your hands, it's really rather interesting. Now, I obtained most of this information from the astronomy department of Cornell University and the BBC, so. I have a lot of faith that it is extremely accurate, but if there are any inconsistencies that anyone picks up on, go pick it up with them. So now that we know a little bit about the formation of organized time that has, pun completely intended, stood the test of time, what does that say about us as human beings? Maybe that we like to be organized? Stay tuned for some poetry regarding the precarious nature of time. But now, for some music.
1: Salam alaikum,
2: you
1: go on?
2: gens du monde. Salam, Previous
0: to
2: the the people of
0: Earth.
2: What did you do with
3: your missing time? Slept in till quarter past ten I the bright ones have laid
0: just heard, The Devil is in the Details by the Chemical Brothers, and before that, Missing Time by T. Hallenbeck. And now for some poetry. So this first poem is called Another Song by Samuel Daniel. 1610 was the year in which it was written. Are they shadows that we see? And can shadows pleasure give? Pleasures only shadows be cast by bodies we conceive. And are made the things we deem In those figures which they seem But these pleasures vanish fast Which by shadows are expressed Pleasures are not if they last And their passing is their best Glory is most bright and gay In a flash and so away Feed apace them greedy eyes On the wonder you behold Take it sudden as it flies Will you take it not to hold When your eyes have done their part thought must lengthen in the heart so i interpret the meaning behind this poem to be that because time is fleeting everything is fleeting and fades together with time however despite this fact we should seize the day and live and love fully what a nice sentiment now here is another short poem regarding time that i found online the other day and that I really liked, whereas I've never heard of this poet. His name is Robert Allen. This is called Where I Am in Time. Another dimension, an extension of where we are now, of where we once were and where we will be, somehow immune to free movement but relentless, caught in the moment, I am set in place, between all states, my thoughts frozen and my dreams a simple photograph. But I continue. Sometimes I record memories for later, and sometimes I follow the routine, unaware of the alternatives, of which there are many, unaware that my thoughts, as well as my actions, bring new life to some worlds and make other ones explode. I really like how Alan really captures the multiple dimensionality of time, the abstract concept that maybe somewhere time is not fleeting, that we can stretch and control our own relative time through our construction of thoughts and even dreams. I think it is interesting to look at time as something that is all-encompassing and even trans-dimensional. However, debating whether or not time is in fact the fourth dimension is a whole nother can of worms in which I am not knowledgeable enough to open here on burn after listening so now I'm going to take you through another short music break and then we will return with more poems after
1: with a flash and a blast plaster and glasses an earthquake came flooding through my living room the sky was black with ink and as it began to sink I thought of you and as the smoke came flooding in beneath the door shaking hands, holding a briefcase, where inside there's a plan that contains the next command, for soldiers in the desert and toy soldiers marching in the sand.
0: back to Burn After Listening on WECB. You just heard Where Are All the Scientists Now by Jukebox the ghost and Beast by Agnes Obel before that. We are reading poems that address the concept of time and its place in our society. So now I have a poem by Edgar Allan Poe called The Bells which is a little bit long but I really like it so bear with me here guys. The Bells by Edgar Allan Poe. Hear the sledges with the bells, silver bells. What a world of merriment their melody foretells, how they tinkle, tinkle, tinkle in the icy air of night, while the stars that oversprinkle all the heavens seem to twinkle with a crystalline delight, keeping time, 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 in a sort of runic rhyme, to the tin that so musically wells, from the bells, 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 the bells, the bells, the bells, from the jingling and the tinkling of the bells. Hear the mellow wedding bells, golden bells, what a world of happiness their harmony foretells, Through the balmy air of night, how they ring out their delight, from the molten golden notes, and in a tune, what a liquid ditty floats to the turtle dove that listens while she gloats on the moon. Oh, From out the sounding cells What a gush of euphony Luminously wells How it swells, how it dwells On the future, how it tells Of the rapture that impels To the swinging and the ringing Of the bells, bells, bells Of the bells, bells, bells To the rhyming and the chiming Of the bells Hear the loud alarm bells Brazen bells What a tale of terror Now their turbulency tells In the startled ear of night How they scream Out their affright Too much horrified to speak They can only shriek Shriek out of tune In a clamorous appealing To the mercy of the fire In a mad expulgitation With the death and frantic fire Leaping higher, higher, higher with a desperate desire, and a resolute endeavor, now, now sit or never, by the pale side of the pale-faced moon. Oh, the bells, the bells, what a tale their terror tells, of despair, how they clang and clash and roar, what a horror they outpour, on the bosom of the palpitating air, yet the ear it fully knows, by the twanging and the clanging, how the danger ebbs and flows. Yet the ear distinctly tells, in the jangling and the wrangling, how the danger sinks and wells, how the sinking or the swelling in the anger of the bells, of the bells, of the bells. In the clamor and the clangor of the bells, hear the tolling of the bells, the iron bells. What a world of solemn thought their monopoly compels. In the silence of the night, How we shiver with affright At the melancholy menace of their tone. From the rust within their throats Is a groan, And the people, ah, the people, They that dwell upon the steeple, All alone, And who, tolling, 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 In that muffled monotone, Feel a glory in so rolling On the human heart of stone. They are neither man nor woman, They are neither brute nor human, they are ghouls, and their king is it who tolls, and he rolls, 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 a pean from the bells, and his merry blossom swells, with a peon from the bells, as he dances and he yells, keeping time, 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 in a sort of runic rhyme, to the pean of the bells, to the throbbing of the bells. Of the bells, the bells, to the sobbing of the bells, keeping time, 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 as it knells, 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 in a happy runic tomb, to the toiling of the bells. Of the bells, of the bells, to the tolling of the bells, of the bells, of the bells, to the moaning and the groaning of the bells. So that was a bit of a longer poem, though nowhere near epic length. I held myself back from reading you guys one of those. So, yes. So one of the reasons I enjoy this poem so much are as follows. A, because Edgar Allan Poe is one of my spirit animals. Um, that in itself really says something about me. And B, because I think Poe rather masterfully uses the imagery of the bells to symbolize the re- relentless nature of time itself. The repetition, which is almost painful at times, but I think very effective ultimately. And how he goes through different assets of life and what the bells represent and how at first, like time, the bells can represent things that are happy, things you don't think about the future, you're just in the moment and you're appreciating life. And suddenly, when you really think too much, it gets scary. You overmanage. And suddenly the clock is ticking and you can't stop it. Why would you want to stop it? That's life. So I think this poem... Begs the question of what is your relationship with time? How do you feel about our strict schedules? Do you feel they are harmful? Helpful? Neither. Have you ever found a wormhole? Call in with comments and opinions at 617-824-8852 or send a tweet to at B-A-L-Radio W E C B. And now for something completely different.
1: I said Albie, don't get so upset. We all get scared of sticking out our necks. It's expected. So hey. in trouble getting it down.
0: Welcome back to burn after listening you just heard one day this will all be fields by merceau and do the panic by phantom planet before that i never realized how creepy the lyrics were to one day this will all be fields i really like it even more than i liked it before so we just read edgar Allan poe's the bells and i posed a few questions about our relative relationships with time know personally when i reflect upon my own schedule i realize that i pay too much attention to the clock and not enough to the moment not enough to the simple pleasures that come from just existing that being said the way we handle our time with clocks and calendars though it can be suffocating helps us communicate easier by giving us a universal language if you will to organize our time with However, I do think a lot of people have the same problem I have. Getting caught up in work and due dates and schedules and forgetting to enjoy the ticking of the clock is a universal experience. If you're lucky enough to experience something you can enjoy, no matter how little, I think it's healthy to enjoy it. It is important to remember that the time we take for granted should really be appreciated. For one day, it will stop for us too. Here, have another song, listeners. It's my gift to you.
1: Woe is me. I swear that I had it, but everyone went and agreed. They said I never had a
0: That was Oh Me, Oh My by Toke, a.k.a. Thomas Kelnicki, the frontman of Streetlight Manifesto. P.S. I just saw them live on Friday, and it was absolutely radical. Check them out, and if you like what you hear, get tickets for their current tour while they are still indeed having them, as they are going to take a break for an unidentified amount of time after it's over. So obviously this is only relevant if you are not from the future, and they are indeed still touring when you're listening to this. And now, for some news. News for Monday, October 7th. A body of water known as Lake Natron in northern Tanzania appears to calcify animals upon contact. Due to high alkalinity and a ridiculously basic pH of 10.5, the lake seemingly petrifies all animals that come into its contact. The lake's harsh composition stems from a neighboring volcano, Oldoño, whose alkaline heavy contents end up in Lake Natron from rainwater runoff. Photographer Nicholas Brandt, who is somewhat responsible for the lake's recent popularity, found some of these animals washed up on shore when exploring the region and took several haunting photographs of these animals' pose as if they were still alive. Though the photos are somewhat misleading, they are quite interesting to look at. The season finale of the Science Channel's The Unexplained Files, that aired on October 2nd, addresses a very interesting topic. Can humans really spontaneously combust? According to Tanya Lewis of LiveScience.com, over 200 cases of spontaneous human combustion have been reported around the world. Though there are several theories that attempt to debunk spontaneous human combustion, scientists claim that it is not at all impossible that a human can burn from the inside out, fat acting as a fuel source, and hair and clothing acting as a wick. The unexplained files follow the story of Frank Baker, a man who claims to have spontaneously caught on fire in 1985, though who lives to tell the tale. Just when we thought, life gives us enough to worry about. To watch the episode and get a full story, go to thesciencechannel.com and check it out. Not an insect person? Don't like bugs during the best of times? You may want to rethink your opinion. Experts predict that given our world's limited amount of resources and ever-growing population, we will most likely have to ingest insects form of nourishment in the somewhat foreseeable future. Students at McGill University won the 2013 Holt Prize for creating flour that is rich in protein from insects. Though ingesting the flour will not feel like you are eating an insect at all, the chefs are currently working on tasty recipes including insects that will help us globalize the meal. Yum! On October 1st, a gigantic squid was found washed ashore La Arena beach in Cantabria, Spain. The squid weighs at 400 pounds, is 30 feet long, and is known as Architeuthis dux, the largest invertebrate on earth. The giant squid is currently on display at the Maritime Museum of Cantabria. Now I found a photo of this particular squid online, and let me tell you. This thing walks a fine line between beautiful and really, really unsettling. These creatures live at great depths under the ocean in what we think to be cool water. So we don't see our chicatis ducks, there we go, often. So this wash up is indeed very exciting. Now, if you've tuned in before, you know what I'm about to do next. It's time for the word of the week. Cachinatory. That is C-A-C-H-I-N-N-A-T-O-R-Y. Cachinatory. Loud or immoderate laughter, often to the point of making others uncomfortable. Used in a sentence. Cachinatory laughter during sad, quiet parts of films might not go over so hot with your date, but you might enjoy yourself more
2: with a shoe
0: That was Orfeo Looks Back by Andrew Bird, and We Stay Behind by Rasputina before that. So I hope the past hour here on WECB has been a fulfilling one for you. We discussed the concept of organized time and explored our own relationships with time itself. Now, my ultimate goal for Burn After Listening is that you all come away from each episode having thought in a way that you might not normally think, hopefully learning something about yourself or the world around you in the process. So feel free to let me know how you think I'm doing with all of that, as well as directing any questions, comments, or suggestions to burnafterlistening at yahoo.com. Next week, I have a treat for all of you listeners, as I will be interviewing Qumran Taj, a real 21st century wizard. An authority on Wicca, witchcraft, magic, and alternative spirituality, Qumran is really interesting and down-to-earth, and I'm really excited to have him as a guest for next week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Gabby Mike Arenda, and I am commanding you to have a great night.